Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our guide, our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. I know a lot of you are watching us now on YouTube, but you might be listening to the replay back on the podcast, The Educated Home Buyer, on Fridays. Either way, we appreciate you being here. We like starting the show by talking about what's going on in the real estate market. But before we do that, I want to say welcome to the show, Josh. Oh, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to you. Uh, it's been a long, uh, long day. So if I'm a little discombobulated or say anything crazy, it's because there's too many numbers bouncing around my head. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll just leave that there. So um, anyhow, I'm already getting ruthless in the chat um, talking crap over here. It's getting it's getting feisty. You should get in there, Josh. But so let's talk. You know what's happened in real estate in the last week. Right. We do this every week. So not a lot changes in a week over week basis. Uh, but I want to talk about some of the headlines that that come up. Um, you know, inventory here is continuing to rise. Uh, Orange County seeing 2,730 homes, which is the highest number of homes that we've seen since December of 2020. So we got more inventory on the market, still well below that three-year, you know, uh, pre-pandemic average of like 6,000 homes. So we're still low in the big scheme of things, but it's increasing. Huntington Beach, 170, which I think is a little bit less than last week. So we're seeing some changes out there. I actually put a survey on the channel. Many of you guys might have participated in it. And I ask, have you seen price drops in your markets? 50% of you said no, no price drops at all. 25% uh, said somewhere between zero and 5%. So you got 75% of the people out there saying, yeah, we are seeing something and or nothing, but at most it's it's less than 5%. So Josh, is that kind of what you're hearing? I mean, you're talking to a lot of buyers out there trying to you know qualify people and, and having conversations. What are you seeing? Oh, the important part, I think what most of you guys watching want to know is how difficult, if I'm out in the market and I'm writing offers, how difficult is it to get an offer accepted? Still not easy, but definitely much, much, much easier than say 90 days ago. Um, not seeing a lot of price reduction, seeing things um, selling sort of at their asking price. The price reduction still generally come from the ones that were, were overpriced or unique properties. Um, Talked to a friend of mine who flips probably 12 to 15 houses a year uh, today, and she said all of hers are selling. Um, they're still doing multiple counters, but she said a year ago or six months ago, uh, most of them would be 100000 over list price. And she's generally in the 800 to $1.2 million price range. She said most things would be 75 to 125 over um, when they did multiple counter. Now multiple counter goes off and they're coming back 20, 30,000 over. So those are nice, fully rehabbed properties. Um, she did say she had an entry level home um, that they had a, a price reduction on, um, a nice rehabbed house. She said it's small, um, three bedroom, one bath, only 1,100 square feet, but uh, the price point is good for Orange County, but not good when you say it's, uh, I think it was 849 for an 1,100 square foot house uh, somewhere in uh, the Buena Park area. So still tight, still tough, um, but definitely better than it was. And definitely 
you know, seeing some some price corrections. I mean, you we have we have a joint client, your your brother in law, brother and sister in law, about the offer they wrote. There was a price reduction, but then it sells for over over list price after the price reduction. So that's that's pretty common for for what my clients are seeing. No, and and it's it's a confusing market. It's even confusing for real estate agents. I mean, you know what what I think is going to continue to happen, and I've said this is the lower price points are going to continue to do well. Um, you know, I listed a property just what today actually, um, and it's it's that five fifty price point and lower. It's a condo, and it's getting calls right because it's at a price that more people can afford. The higher you move up, I mean, I've got several properties over a million dollars. Less less calls on those properties in this market because again that affordability it's starting to play a part when 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 it increases forty two percent or something in in you know uh, six months that's a problem for a lot of buyers but a lot of people know that's going on but let's talk about rates right so we saw interest rates improve last week when we were talking we'd seen interest rates come down uh, but they've recently kind of ended that winning streak that that we saw of what I think two weeks of kind of improvements in rates and now maybe just a little bit up what's what's happening with rates with the, the last two days is a perfect example of when you tell people do not get greedy when the market gives back um, some some pricing to us especially in the current market so it took the better part of two two and a half weeks for rates to improve uh, probably about a quarter percent total improvement and we've given back most of it um, just in the last two days so the $24 million question is like, where, where do they go from here? Are they going to go back up? Um, we could pull up charts and bore you and show you uh, technical levels of support and resistance, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out in the next couple of days. We have the employment report coming out later this week. Um, ADP figures would have normally been out today. will come out tomorrow. Um, kind of the things that we're seeing. Um, inflation at the core level is is moderating now um it's not really impacting consumers a whole heck of a lot um, yet. because be, yet because what are the two big things you you and i were talking before we came on air here um had to fill up my truck last week and i have a 38 gallon tank it was a 180 dollars fill up at uh, at costco so um that that affects people um so when we say core inflation excludes food and energy well guess what food and energy are like the two things you can't live without you have to heat your house you have to drive your car you can cut back on those things um, you can change what you're eating you can eat chicken instead of steak or ground beef um, eat more macaroni and cheese um, so there's always substitution that goes on there to to keep the bottom line uh, in check but um, until we see moderation in inflation i think our best case scenario is sideways still worried that rates may creep up a little bit from here i don't think we have another big leg up higher um, but for now it's a good idea to be very cautious you know your, your fha va rates are in that mid four four and a half range uh with zero points and for well-qualified borrowers your conventional loans um you know the the national averages you're looking at are, are close to five and a half best borrowers are in the five and a quarter range five and three eighths with zero point zero lender fees and if you want to pay you can still get a rate in the in the high fours so not not great relative to where they were, but um, at least they've stabilized. So you're not seeing big shocks over over weeks of time. No, and you mentioned something a moment ago about you know the idea of 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 inflation not really impacting the consumer yet. And so I told you I was filming a video earlier today before coming on here about you know my thoughts on on what the fall kind of has in play if, if things kind of continue at, at where we are at the moment with inflation still there you know, and, and rates up where we are, 
Um, and I don't honestly don't even know if I'm going to put it out because when I was filming, I was like, this sucks a lot, like a lot of my videos that you guys watch, but you support me. So thank you for that. Uh, but I just think that there, you know, cash has been rich in the system, right? The, the pockets have been heavy in a lot of places because businesses have done well over the last two years. There was a lot of money thrown at the system, a lot of free money giving people, you know, almost like a false sense of security with regards to some of this money. And I think if costs continue to stay high, gas at $8 a gallon in LA and, you know, food cost and and just all rents continuing to rise in a lot of markets out there, that's going to have an impact on, on how the consumer feels about spending money. And and that's going to affect housing in a couple of ways. And, and Josh, as I mentioned, I think it keeps selling, unless you have to buy, have to sell, I don't know that you do. I mean, again, we don't know. There's a lot of forecasting, a lot of guessing, quite frankly, about how this impacts people. But the mentality in a recessionary environment is, you know, it impacts your bottom line. And so when you've got more money going to these other things, you don't have that feeling of being able to splurge in certain areas. But people need housing. You have to have a place to live. You have to have a place to rent in some cases. So that means housing has to come before all of those things. And so if you own a house, maybe your budget's tight, but do you cut something else before you cut your house? Or do you sell the house and try to find something less expensive? I don't know. And that and that's a lot of the what ifs, but it's things that you need to think about. But I think more than anything else, Josh, you said something there, sideways movement. I think that is what happens in this type of environment is because interest rates are so low, people have them locked in. And, and you know, when you're when you don't feel safe, the pandemic taught us something, right? Where do people spend their time when they're not feeling safe about what's going on at home? And so, in a recessionary environment, a recession, which is what we're where we're likely headed, people are probably going to spend more time at home. And and so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But anything you want to add on that one? I mean, I know we kind of talked about it before, but. Well, here's actually an interesting question that sort of yep. takes us down that same path. Um, yep. The Terminator back and says, do you think this housing market resembles 2018, 2019 market? House prices did go down because interest rates went up then. Um, if you look at the charts, flat was really a more accurate measure, depending on whose numbers you look at, um, and there are different ways of measuring it. Um, flat was probably the the, the right measure. Uh, and I think that's probably what we look at um, going forward, you know, 2018, 2019 is almost four years ago now. Um, we didn't have the big demographic group of millennials coming into the market. That's a, a change from from then. Um, but does that sound about reasonable? Yeah, I don't I don't see the tailwinds we have to push prices higher. And one of the things that we talked about a way for a market to normalize over the long haul versus a big correction or drop in the short run is an extended period of a flat prices. So I would not be shocked to see anywhere from zero to 5% home price inflation for three, four, five years going forward after the two really big years that we had. Um, but the cool thing is that they're performing an experiment every day. Realtors like Jeb are putting houses in the MLS and buyers are outputting offers in and, and we'll see what that looks like. But there's definitely headwinds. We had a couple of years of seeing what massive tailwinds look like. And now we're, we're heading into some, some, some headwinds. And I think flat is not an unreasonable projection uh, for, for where things go. You know, Jeb, going back to the point of things we, we've talked about many, many times on the show is that home prices are sticky to the upside. People don't panic sell. Um, you know, the most 
most people's familiarity with the down market because we hadn't really had one till about since 1992. So going back 30 years, we've only had one down market. So if you're say younger than 60, you were not in the housing market when we had the, the last sort of cyclical downtrend. So the only thing you know of a downturn is 2007, 2008. And that was like the, the perfect storm. If you remember the, the uh, movie with George Clooney and Marky Mark where they're on the 900 foot waves and they get battered around and they all end up dying. That's what 2007, 2008 was. Unlikely to recur, um, but we certainly can have a short-term correction. Uh, we can have a longer-term uh, flatness, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see where You know, I, I heard an interesting fact today, and we'll start getting into some questions, and it's going to lead me into the first, not even a question, a comment here um, from Three Putt Bogies that he mentions he's in Dallas, but the uh, the 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 city of Dallas built more homes in the last year than the entire state of California. And I think it was the last year. So there's 41 million people in California. The city of Dallas built more homes than the entire state of California did during this period of time. And, and it's just, I mean, because of the regulatory things, just everything to build houses, it's a problem. And, and so, you know, some of these areas that have more new construction, we'll see, you know, a, a probably a different market as things settle a little bit. And, and he goes on, you know, mentions, I think last week that he canceled the contract because the rate was so high. Well, guess what comes back to say, Hey, listen, the builder reached out to me and said, they bought my rate down to 4.625 and then covered the closing cost, took the deal. That sounds like a good deal to me. You know, when, when something, the builder's willing to come in and pay your cost and give you a lower rate, why not? Um, so I think you're going to see more of that builders going back, you know, you and I filmed, uh, or filmed, recorded an episode on the podcast for next week, talking about new construction versus existing home sales in this type of environment. And the one thing you're going to see is builders get back to the things they were doing pre pandemic, you know, working with real estate agents on the other side, being willing to negotiate the price, the price you see, or you get quoted up front might not be the final price, or you might not have to bid on that property with your highest and best. It's going to be more of a, you know, a normal market with those, especially in, in areas where construction is plentiful, Josh. Uh, the biggest thing, the biggest difference between a home builder and an equity seller on an existing property is their business people. They, they know numbers. They have their numbers. They know their spreadsheets. They know what they're in a property for. They know how much it costs them to carry that property for one extra day. So this is not really unexpected. They, they, they knew their numbers. They plugged it into a spreadsheet and said, okay, we can put this back on the market and here's what it costs us. Or we can get this deal to the finish line and here's what it costs us. And they made a business decision. So that's something that is cool about uh, builder business relative to the emotions of an equity seller. Uh, another thing, Jeb, that, that's probably important to talk about, um, for all of the doom and gloomers that think there's going to be a giant housing bust, um, if you look, the only areas we're seeing any level of stress um, are in FHA transactions. So we, we've talked a little bit about if there's a lot of new construction around you that adds a supply component to that supply-demand equation that could put some downward pressure. If you're in an area where there's a large percentage of FHA loans, those loans have lower down payments and lower credit scores by about 60 or 70 points, which 
you know, it, it's still, I think, a 660, 670 median score, which is not bad. But the default risk between that and a 740 or 750 where uh, conventional loans are at right now is, is monstrous. It's like a 10 or 12x risk of default relative to that 740, 750 borrower. So if, if you're in areas, either you want to buy in those areas or you live in those areas, it's worth keeping an eye on. There's, um, you know, the American Enterprise Institute tracks um, default pressures by loan type um, and they do a press release so you can track that stuff online um, there's there's good things uh, that we can see and, and watch I'm not concerned about uh, any any widespread level of, of foreclosures that would impact home values but those areas you would want to look at if you're in a highly inflated price area where there's a high percentage of recent FHA purchases, you could see a little bit more foreclosure activity than what we will see in, in normal markets. Yeah. And, and, or price drops. But I mean, the one thing to keep in mind about, you know, like for example, California, not a lot of FHA buyers in, in Southern California where we're located. I mean, hell, I can tell you over two years, I mean, I've probably only dealt with a couple um, in, in all the purchases or and or being on the selling side of, of any of those. So not not a huge amount. But what I will say is that, um, you know, even those people that put less money down gained equity for, a you know, some period of time. So they have to be in a position. It's It's got to be a fairly recent purchase and the market's got to move down. So it's not just one thing, not just because you have an FHA loan, you're at more risk. You need the FHA loan. You need to be in a financial position where you're, you know, you're capped and, and can't afford any any more or whatever. Um, and you got to be in a position or in a market where prices aren't, you know, have declined some. And then you might be in a position where it's more of a, a distress situation. So anyway, um, let's continue to move on here. So we got we got a lot of comments, not a lot of questions, um, but we do have one here from burn it up. Um, I'm not sure I understand the question directly. So Josh, I'll let you jump in, but it says, what is one major event that is different from 20 from 2008 that you have not covered to put these doom and gloom people to rest? You know, one of, one of the big things that we talked about is how high um, mortgage prices had gotten relative to rents at that point in time. So you couple that with the fact that we've already covered, most people didn't have a down payment or didn't have much equity or skin in the game. But when the market starts to turn or it starts to get difficult to make your monthly mortgage payment and you can look and rents are significantly cheaper than owning a home, it makes it easier to walk away, which put a lot of downward pressure on that market. And today with rents, elevated relative to home prices, especially for people that have been in their homes for two or three years, which despite all of the people who've bought in the last couple of years, the vast majority of homeowners have owned for longer than the last couple of years. So when you look at it, most people are sitting on equity and a payment that's similar or less than what it would cost to rent a like property. So from, from that perspective, that's probably one big thing um, that we don't talk about a heck of a lot other than to say, hey, rent prices are high, but rents relative to mortgage prices are, are quite high mortgage payments are quite high. I mean, and the other significant thing you have during that time frame is again, you've got the the change in in generation generational buying, like who's buying property, all these people turning prime buying age since that point is another factor with with a lot less inventory to choose from, right? And since then builders have been behind on building property, which has only made that inventory issue uh, you know, more of a problem. And it's becoming more of a problem because 
you know, at the current rate, they need to build about 500,000 more homes than they're currently building to make up for the lack of demand. And they're not doing that. And so it's only going to push that, you know, kick that can further down the road. Now, again, a lot of unknown factors out there, but I think, you know, Josh mentioning the rent thing, um, inventory being a big thing and, and, and the buyers, you know, the demand out there, um, and another thing, honestly, interest rates, interest rates being at the lows that we saw put so much buying power in people's pockets that and, and they're, they're almost locked into a house now to some extent, whether they want to be or not. And it's 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 I mean, I'm similar. I'm kind of in that position. I mean, I'd love to buy another property, you know, and and, and upgrade for the family and all of that. But I look at my mortgage payment and I go. It would it would more than double, it would almost triple my mortgage payment to buy what I want to buy. And, you know, I don't have to do anything. I'm comfortable where I am. I love my location. Yeah, I mean, the house isn't everything that I want, but hell, I, I'm kind of in a position where I'm somewhat stuck because the payment is so good. And I think that's, it's going to be an interesting play on, on sellers, you know, what they decide to do in the future because of that. I mean, I... Perfect example. Has somebody see a property that I have here locally uh, yesterday, the day before, and ask for feedback from the agent. Agent says clients love the property, but they currently have a two and a half percent interest rate that they are having a hard time giving up. That was the response. And I thought, <laughs> what do I say to that? Like, okay, like I get it. I, I completely understand. That is that is what we are battling with on, on the listing side at the moment is people locked into these low rates, you know, for move up buyers. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. We're going to call you SS. Uh, is now the time to... Uh, you only you live only once, live, my friend. You only live once. Home equity into Bitcoin. The crash under 30K could be generational buying opportunity. I couldn't do it. I'm telling you, I, I couldn't. I don't know what 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 dollar amount I'd be a Bitcoin buyer. And I know many of you guys are millennials. Many of you guys probably own crypto and think I'm crazy for not owning it. I just don't own it. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know at what point I'm a buyer. I, I'm a buyer at a price. I just don't know what price it is at the moment. So Josh. So I, I actually have a client who in, in December, right before the meltdown in, in crypto, took $350,000 out of his house and an experienced crypto investor, not a lunatic, um, but he did do this. He had, he had um, I think we did a loan at about 60, 55, 60% loan to value. So still has a bunch of equity, still has a bunch of money in his retirement accounts, but he is absolutely looking at this as a generational opportunity. And, and I don't know if he jumped in with all the 350 or if he dollar cost averaged into it, um, Hopefully, as things were coming down, you know, I still am bullish on on a number of elements of crypto. But when you say we were at 60, um, what, three, four months ago, five months ago, was it was yeah. it December? Uh, we're at 60,000. Now we're under 30. And there's not really any strong technical support uh, until you get to the 21 to 23 range. And if that breaks down, it could go to 18 and even as low as 11, you know, at 11. Maybe you pull $100,000 out of your house and buy yourself nine Bitcoins and see what happens from there. But here's the funny thing. When something, when, something, when something goes from 60K to 11K, there's a lot less bold people than even there are at 60K to 30K. When something goes in half, like, I, and let's compare it. Let's go back and talk about 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008. Everyone says, hey, when this market crashes, I'm going to jump in and buy. 
guess what? Those people are all full of shit. I bought my first house to flip in October of 2008. And for all of 2009 and at least the first half of 2010, the five or six of us that were buying in Orange County didn't have to compete against each other because there were more houses than there were us. So if a bank came back and said, hey, there's two offers, give us your highest and best. They said, cool, my highest offer is the house down the street because there was no one buying. And people were telling us, oh, you're nuts. Homes have gone down. Like, what's my downside here? I keep this and it cash flows. It's a beautiful, brand new, fully remodeled home that cash flows at 100% financing. And there were hard money lenders that would give you 100% on that nice rehabbed property. Um, but that's, it, I think you're going to see something similar in crypto. When, when and if Bitcoin goes to 18 or 15 or 11, it's not a buying opportunity. People are going to look at it and go, oh, that sucks. It's never going to be valuable again. It's going to zero. So what I heard you say is you think it's going down. I do. All right. Well, there you go. Josh, I don't have a, I don't have a, a dog in the fight or a, a thought. I, I honestly don't know. don't really follow it. I mean, I, I, I watch it, but that's it. Um, anyway, Batario723. My wife and I just sold our house. We have $260,000 and looking to buy a four seventy-five dollars to $550,000 house, putting 40 to 50% down. The problem is limited inventory. What can we do to provide the strongest offer? Thank you. So what market are you in? I'm, I'm curious to know where you are that's limited. What, what are you calling limited inventory? Um, but I think it's, I mean, here's what I'm seeing in my market, right? So I would say Orange County still has limited inventory. Now, I know Miguel um, Casillas says we need a lot. Oh, we need a lot more. I thought you said we we had, never mind. I read your question wrong. So, um, or your statement. So I agree with you um, on that, Miguel. Uh, but yeah, so here in Orange County, I would say that we have a limited inventory. Even though it's increased, it's still well below the trends. And I mentioned that earlier in the video. Um, so, but I still see opportunities in this market to not do crazy things. And what do I mean by that? I don't know that you have to do you know wave the appraisal and and wave all of these things now in some markets you might still have to do that but i i just you know i think it depends on the house in the location how is it priced um like for example the the one that i listed today the $550,000 purchase price that's likely to get a couple of offers because of the price now i've got homes that are priced in the millions that are not getting that type of activity and so in those you know, the seller is not going to go back and tell some buyer, hey, listen, I'm not going to consider your offer because you didn't, um, you know, waive the the appraisal or the or what have you. So it's a case by case basis. Um, Josh, has he chimed in and said where he is yet? It doesn't look like it. Oh, South oh, sorry, New, Jersey South New Jersey suburb. Yep. So South Jersey. So honestly, it's I don't know that market well enough, but I think you got to go back to the things that, you know, to be competitive Got to come in with a strong offer to begin with. Look at where the comps are. I mean, how is the market appreciating? Is it still going up there? Are you still seeing, you know, the new house listed? Is it selling more than than the house that sold a month ago? If it is, then you got to factor that into your prices. What I'm seeing here more in my market is, you know, the home that or that that are priced correctly. The home that sold a month and a half ago, the next listing that comes on the market should be priced about where that one sold. It shouldn't be quite a bit higher like it was you know six eight months ago it's a different market now so you got to factor that in i would come in with a strong deposit i would still shorten my contingencies i think that's something you can do in any market if you've got you know your lender in place um you know you've been approved you, you know getting a home inspector is one of those things that can happen fairly quickly i think in any market you can 
you know, shorten contingency periods, not waive them to be aggressive. And that sort of thing helps. You might ask the seller or you might pay some of the fees that the seller would normally pay. Maybe, you know, instead of a home warranty, instead of asking for that, you pay it or your agent pays it or you don't ask for one at all. That sort of thing. Uh, but honestly, it'd be talking to a local agent in your market that understands that market uh, and can guide you through that process. Say, hey, this is what I'm seeing as an agent in that market. And, you know, from there, they can give you the advice that you really need to hear. Um, and so if you need that person in Jersey, I have a great agent um, in South Jersey. In fact, I have a couple of great agents in 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 different parts of Jersey if you need somebody. And if you need somebody anywhere across the U.S., you can reach out to. I'll put a link up here um, that'll scroll in, in just a minute where you can get that. And the same is said for a lender. If you need a lender here in Orange County, you want to talk to Josh or in California, rather, call Josh up directly. Have a conversation with him. Um, but if you're anywhere else, you can click on this link and um, and get referred. So um, I'll put it, that it, up right there at the bottom. Even Jeb, the big the big thing that I would say, um, a lot of times people don't want to use the referral link, don't want to reach out um, because they, oh, I've already talked to someone. You know, the biggest mistake, I don't want to keep hammering on this, but 70% plus of buyers just go with the first lender that they talk to. Hopefully, if you've got a good lender on the first go around, you talk to one more, you're just going to feel that much better about your decision. I love giving people a second opinion. Um, Two examples here this week, had someone who listened to the show last week reached out. We were $18,000 cheaper than the biggest nationwide lender who bombarded you with television and radio commercials all day. Note rate to note rate, $18,000 cheaper. If they hadn't called us, they wouldn't know that. Um, and I can also tell you in the last week, I had someone say, hey, these are the numbers that I have. And I said, well, how's the relationship with the person that you're doing? I like them. They've been helpful. They've been responsive. They've been informative. And we looked at it and said, I might be $1,000 cheaper than this. That could be day-to-day -day variance from the market of when you got this quote and locked to, to us because rates had been coming down. So if you're happy with that person, you know um, the process of applying for a mortgage is not easy. Pulling all your documentation together, doing the online application, uploading it, starting back over. Um, long way of saying, second opinion can go a long way towards giving you peace of mind or letting you know that there's a ton of money to be saved. I guess the last example I'll leave you guys with, talk to a, a listener, who a viewer who, who reached out after the show last week, and he talked to two other people, and they had both had just given him blatantly wrong information. And he said, no, one was a family friend, and I didn't sound, think he knew what he was talking about, and the other one didn't put a whole lot of time into our file. And they're well qualified, but there's some issues there that we were working around, and now we have a game plan, they're gonna get exactly what they want. Long way of saying, if you've talked to someone else, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Don't hesitate to use that referral link and talk to someone in, in our network that can at a minimum give you peace of mind to know you're on the right track. Don't be one of those people that only talks to one lender and finds out after they close they could have saved thousands of dollars or had a less stressful uh, experience. Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything for, for an opinion. Um, earlier, I missed this one. Samantha Lee asked uh, $5 super chat. So thanks for that, Samantha. I live in Southern California. Is it a bad time for first-time homebuyers? No. It's not a bad time for first-time homebuyers. Um, in fact, it's a better time now than it has been in the last two years for first-time homebuyers. The caveat is you got a little bit higher rates. You got higher home prices, uh, but there's more opportunity for you as a home buyer. You just need to make sure you have that longer-term time horizon. That is that is something I'm stressing more and more just because we've seen some rapid appreciation. We've seen, hell, we've, we've seen, if you go back to 2012 to now, we've seen nearly 100% appreciation in some markets. That's not normal for a 10-year period. I mean, it's 
you know, it, it should probably be closer to, you know, 40, 45% during a 10 year period. We've seen over a hundred in some markets. So a little more cautious on the, on the time horizon, but other than that, no, definitely not a bad time. Um, and then we have another super chat here from Jay. Well, the people who bought homes on FHA loans with hopes of refinancing to 20% conventional be successful, or do you think they'll be stuck? So that's, you know, it, it depends. Um, it, it, those that, that have had them recently are probably going to have a harder time, see, you know, getting it removed uh, because you're not going to see that crazy appreciation uh, happen um at least as quickly right we had people that got an fha loan and within the same year six months later had it removed that's not normal and that's not that's likely not, to happen not that's not um, healthy that's not a healthy it's not market. healthy it's not normal so the answer to your question i think the easy um the quick answer is yes there will be a lot of people that are stuck um some markets you might see some appreciation and people will be able to get out of it but i, I don't really have a a dead you know uh an answer that I'm going to stand behind one way or the other. Um, I would say more than anything, probably people stuck, especially if they bought in the last, you know, well, probably six to eight months. I, you know what, Jeb, when you start answering a question, I'll, I'll jump in and hit the spreadsheet real quick. But a couple things to remember, 3% appreciation for five years is going to get you more than 15% in aggregate. You're get 16, 17%. So just 3% appreciation for five years and a three and a half percent down FHA. Granted, you have that front mortgage insurance premium, but five years at 3% should get you 20%. Now the question becomes, what do interest rates look like at the end of that five-year period? We've got some folks that are in 2.625 FHA loans with a 0.85 mortgage uh, insurance, so it puts you under three and a half. So we need that conventional loan to go under three and a half before it would make sense to get rid of the mortgage insurance. So I would never look at it as being stuck because we didn't even talk about the, the principal reduction that, that people are going to be enjoying over that five-year time horizon. So 60 months, if you have $500 a month going to principal, $30,000 of equity buildup. You've fixed that housing payment. You're not subject to rents going up. You've had pride of ownership. So I would never look at it as being stuck. If you took a loan with an FHA loan, took, bought a home and took out an FHA loan, and you were stuck in that for the, the term of the, the loan, as long as you're comfortable with that payment, it's a cost of doing business. It's better to get into a home with an FHA loan and have mortgage insurance forever than it is to not get into the market. So it's a little bit of semantics there. And the other thing we want to bring uh, bring up is that it has pretty much been decided, but not announced yet, that HUD will be reducing um, mortgage insurance premiums. So whether that's the monthly insurance premiums or whether it's the upfront or both, um, the, the scuttlebutt is that it's pretty much a done will that deal be retroactive? to announce it. It will not. So um, as we get to a market, you know, let, let's say they go from 0.85 on the monthly mortgage insurance to 0.55. That's 0.3%. It, for all the people that bought this year at four, four and a quarter, four and a half, if rates go down under 4%, there'd be a wave of those people refinancing. Right. So the question then becomes, can they go from conventional to FHA or is that, or from FHA to conventional, or is that an FHA to FHA streamline at the lower rate? and lower mortgage insurance. Um, and it also begs the question of why why would the government do that when one of the benefits of higher interest rates right now has been a little bit of a break on the market. We're still, I mean, you guys are saying, hey, how am I competitive? How do I compete? How do I win a home? And 
the the luck that you're having or the greater chance and opportunity you're having is partially due to higher payments because higher rates and the government is stepping in and saying hey we're going to reduce payments on on fha loans so it's interesting timing um i i would wait uh, i would i would wait it out a little bit I, I definitely think that the mortgage insurance premiums are higher than they need to be but uh when is the right time market-wise to do it we'll see no, good, good stuff. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, you know, one thing I don't mention a lot on the show or bring up on the show is, you know, um, or ask for really is how you can help us. So I'd like to ask that now. So, you know, I'm a real estate agent. Um, I help people buy and sell property. You know, Josh is a mortgage lender. You know, we use this platform to really educate people and, and, you know, and, help create what we want to work with as home buyers out there people that know you know the market understand the market not that we're not looking for questions but we we want educated people because it honestly we see it all the time people get into scenarios because they don't know what's going on so how you can help us is by hitting the thumbs up um you can also go to the link you know that that i'll post again um in just a few minutes if you need to get in contact with josh you can you can use that link and have a conversation with him if you want to get in touch with me, I'll put my information up there as well. In Orange County, we're happy to have those conversations, guide you through the process, see if it's a good fit. If you're outside of Orange County, you know, we have consultation links you can use, um, paid consultation links, but we can also put you in touch with people, you know, that can take great care of you. So um, with that being said, Josh, I'll throw that link up here in just a second. Um, but we got a question from Tom. So Tom, or comment. And the reason I want to put this up here is because Tom says, just sold out of a home I regret buying last year. Thank God I got out. $600,000 in cash. Should I try jumping in now? Can't stay on living with sis. So my brother-in-law um, is in a similar position. So him and a uh, wife now bought a property two years ago that they had regretted buying. Fortunately, they were able to sell it. They made a huge profit. They made about 35% on that property in a two-year period. So now they're sitting on cash and looking at property. Well, they've made an offer as of yesterday. And unfortunately, there were multiple offers on that property. They didn't get it accepted. So, you know, they were very lucky. And we had a conversation about them being in that position and being lucky and making sure the next one they buy, they they think a little bit more through it because, you know, you're leading into that environment again where home prices have increased. You got to be a little bit more cautious with the buying. So, to, to answer your question, should you buy something now? If you can find the right property and it's something that you think you can be in for five to 10 years, sure, why not? If the payment makes sense to you. But if you're thinking one of those things that it's a short-term deal, then no, I don't I don't think it is the right time to buy. Josh, anything you want to add on that one? I know it's something we just harp on back and forth, but it's uh, it's something that, you know, that a lot of people obviously have questions about. The, the risk is really to people with, with lower down payments. So with that big of a down payment, in terms of stepping back into the market, you wanna make sure you do it and get into a home that you love this time. You have a nice down payment, obviously can afford a, a well-priced home that's gonna vary from market to market. Um, but there's, there's no reason not to step in. I guess what would we say? If you felt there was a big correction coming, then you would sit on the sidelines. Or And with 600000 in the bank, you don't need to live with your sister. You can go and rent a property. You could Airbnb it for a year or two. Um, but seriously, 
find something comfortable to get into and look for the right home. And you can afford to be a, a little choosy other than just wanting to get out from, from under your sister's roof. And by all means, I, I would step back into the market. Uh, my feeling for most people is you buy when the time is right in your life and you don't try to time the market unless we had strong evidence that there was a major correction coming. And we don't need to go down that rabbit hole again that Jeb and I have already said, we don't believe that. Could we have an extended period of flat prices? Yeah. Is that still the right time to get into the market when you have a big down payment and you want to have a home of your own? 100%. Awesome. And so the, the links at the bottom are the ones I mentioned a moment ago. These are for people that don't live locally, out-of-state buyers that want us to help, but we can't really because we're not where you are or don't serve your market. Those links will uh, get you in touch with us. We can have a great conversation um, and, and guide you in the right direction. So D Terminator uh, has another question here, Josh, what would your advice be to get a good deal in searching for a house? Uh, fair market value becoming more difficult to predict with changing market. Thanks for having these sessions every week. So you're welcome on that. But there's also a follow up question, not by you, but Peter asked a similar question. How do you comp a property to the homes in the neighborhood when the last home Last house sold in early 2022 with a 3% interest rate. So not the exact same question, but one that, you know, how do you, how do you determine the value of something right now versus something that sold a couple of months back? What's fair market value? It's a good question. Um, you know, I don't think in many markets prices have gone down. I think what, what, in my opinion, and I've said this is it's more a deceleration in prices. So prices aren't necessarily going up like they were they're more line you know more moving sideways in many markets so if a property sold it in february you know i think that's still a good comp to where i would say the numbers are um you know it's been four months since then yeah we saw some appreciation since february we've seen some sideways movement i feel like it's still probably a, a number around there even if they had a lower rate i i yeah that played a factor at the time but I don't know. I don't know that I would say it's significantly lower because, you know, of the two. But Josh, what what are your thoughts on that? I know you don't get on the real estate side, but so here's here's the thing that like the interesting thing. Uh, this is a good question and a totally logical question from an outsider. You're going to say, hey, one of the inputs to home value would be what the, the payment is. But on a residential appraisal, they take three approaches to value and then they throw two out and they only use the comparable sales approach. So comparable sales is comparing to recent sales in the neighborhood and adjusting accordingly. A time adjustment can be appropriate, but they're not going to do a time adjustment based off of interest rates. There's also an income approach. Hey, if they rented this uh, property out, how much could it rent for? What would it generate in income? And that gets thrown out and there's the replacement uh, cost. So if this house burned down, what would it cost to build it? And what is the lot itself worth? So none of those things come into play. Everything comes back to supply and demand. So I, it, it always makes me, me sort of chuckle and frown at the same time when I hear these comments here of these homes are all selling for more than fair market value. Well, they're selling for exactly fair market value. They are sold on the open market. A seller, a willing seller advertises their home for sale and willing buyers step up and bid on it. And that sets the fair market price. So we have not seen in most areas, in almost any areas that I'm aware of, rates going from three to five, going up at least 2%, having an impact on the home prices. So it doesn't, it's not something to take into account. And the first question there was, how do I get a good deal without 
paying more than fair right. market value. Well, think about most of the questions that we've answered tonight, Jeb. What have those questions been? They're like, how do I get my offer accepted? How do I get my offer accepted? Well, and then another one, another element of that is how do I not buy a house that I'm going to hate and want to sell and get out of, um, you know, in a, in a short period of time? You almost have to be willing when the right house comes along to do what it takes. Now, hopefully you have, um, I mean this in the best way, like sort of unique or peculiar tastes so that what you want and love and adore in a house is not what everyone wants. You know, we talk about your brother and sister-in-law, the house that they lost out on, everyone would love that house. It was no, a flipper that's the problem. That, that went in and did a spectacular job. It was beautiful. I looked at it and said, I want to live there. So the, that's the problem is how do you get a great deal on a beautiful house, you, you don't. You take something that either needs all that work and you're not gonna get a huge discount on it. And right. then you're gonna have to do the work and you're gonna have to be the contractor. Like there's no magic. There's nothing I can tell you that here's how you go out and get deals. All of the homes that are selling in the current market are in the multiple listing service. So they hit Zillow, they hit Redfin. Everyone knows about them. Once something is known and advertised, you're not going to see a discount on that. And the fair market value is literally by definition what bidders on that asset will pay for it. So getting hung up on what it will appraise for or what is your opinion of fair market value is irrelevant. It's what a buyer and seller agree to on any given day. Got it. So something else I want to follow up on on that is is that, you know, Josh, you'll probably see this more than I would because I don't see appraisals very often. I mean, as a real estate agent, the appraisals don't come to me. They come, they go to the lenders. And at which point, sometimes I'll get one because the buyer sends it to me or the, you know, what have you. But, you know, part of the appraisal, the the appraiser in their marks, you know, there's boxes that they check of what's actually happening with regards to, to market appreciation, uh, market uh you know, values going down, moving, you know, are they stable or are they going up by what percentage down by what percentage? So, you know, it's, I haven't seen them. I don't know if you've been paying attention to them at all in, in any of the recent ones that you've had, but you know, again, what are appraisers when they're comping out properties? Are they saying, you know, you just bought a property for, for the same value or maybe a little bit more than the last one that sold is, is an appraiser still seeing that, you know, because they see a lot of properties and a lot of contracts. So it'd be, be curious to see, you know, maybe talk to an appraiser and, and get, you know, their thoughts on, on that sort of thing, just because they see so many transactions. Maybe, maybe we reach out, get our Sacramento appraisal blog guy on and, and have him walk us through that. Yeah, no, it's actually good. So um, Kevin, our Kevin's asking, are you seeing more appraisals coming short of the contract price? No, um, not more. It's been pretty consistent. It happens. We've got two here in the last month and they were both a little bit short and both of those buyers expected and it was kind of written into the contract uh, that they would accept that. And when I say not much, not double, not not five figures, like uh, four figure shortages. I think it was almost five and one was about seven or $8,000. So it's not insignificant. It's real money. Uh, but the buyers knew it going in that the properties were going to be difficult to comp, much like that last question that we just answered. Sometimes people know, hey, it is worth this to me, but it's going to be difficult for the appraiser to support that value uh, based off of limited comps. And we're seeing limited supply, not a lot of homes moving in many areas. Good stuff. So what do we got here? So um, Romeo says, is FOMO a real thing when you know it's the right one? So I always tell buyers, you know, when you when you know it's the right property, you'll know. 
right? I mean, when you walk into it, you feel like it's the right, you shouldn't have to convince yourself is what I tell people. So in that, in that way, I, I think, you know, is that FOMO? I don't think so. Um, now what you do after you determine it's the right one could be FOMO, um, and, and getting your offer accepted. But I think the idea of knowing it's the right one and, and being willing to compete on that doesn't make that FOMO. Um, you know, what makes it maybe FOMO is when you're doing it, not because you know, it's the right one, but because everybody else is telling you it's the right thing to do, or you saw your buddy do it and, and they got massive appreciation. That's more of a FOMO mindset to me. And, and I would make that same distinction when I saw the question, Jeb, I, I was thinking to myself, fear of missing out, meaning if I don't buy a house now, I'm going to get priced out and never get in. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy into that. I wouldn't force my life decision into doing something now that you're not quite prepared to. Um, but in terms of a, a property, it can absolutely happen. And I almost want to draw a distinction, Jeb, between the two types of properties. The one that, that Max wrote the offer on, I wouldn't ever want someone to overpay for a home that was beautifully renovated like that because there's lots of homes in that neighborhood that could be renovated similarly. Now, if that house happened to have an amazing lot or a location that couldn't be replicated, that's where you really start getting into, hey, if I don't step up and do something crazy on this property, am I going to get another one? I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but Jeb, you've had buyers that say, I'm in the market, but I'm only in the market for this. I have a buyer that we've been working with for two years, continually updating their pre-approval. They live in a small community and they have a very narrow niche of what they're looking for. They've written two offers in two years and didn't get either one of them. So um, I, I certainly understand and would be open to someone slightly overpaying based off of fear of missing out if there's something intrinsically unique about that property beyond just upgrades or renovations that someone else has done to it. Good stuff. Um, so I just, I, this isn't a question, but it's a comment and it's kind of something we, we touched on earlier a little bit. Um, Saul says here in North Orange County, not able to afford a house, even with two incomes, house is selling for over 800,000 and with inflation, it's very hard to come up with a down payment. So yeah, I, it, it you know, I understand. I mean, that, that is, that is part of the problem out there is, is that affordability and inflation's play on that affordability is only going to um, only going to get worse. Uh, you know, I actually drop a video tomorrow where I talk about the idea of buying versus renting, and I took a property here locally that I had for rent um, and compare it to what it would cost to buy that property. And in the example, I use a twenty percent down payment, but you know that property, you know, renting it roughly three grand a month. So in in a year, you're going to pay the landlord thirty six thousand dollars over a two year period. You know, especially if your rent increases by four or five percent, it's going to be you know more than than seventy two thousand. But just say it stayed the same for a two year period, you're paying the landlord seventy two thousand dollars. I don't know. I mean, I I've seen people, and not I'm not suggesting this, but you know, if you have family to go live with to go save money for two years, it's that those are the things that you can do to get ahead. Not everybody has those opportunities. Um, but those are the things that nobody really wants to do, but sometimes it's necessary to be able to save that money to get that down payment so that, you know, you're in the best position to buy. Um, um, um the, the next, this Samson. is, this is where I'm waiting for you to like ask Samson to DM you and, and you guys can connect offline and maybe you guys can start working together. Oh, okay. Let's see here. Samson says, 
Recently started buying investor properties from an investor. Should I continue to buy? So far, I have one four-unit home, two single-family homes. Indiana, the homes are fair, need TLC. Um, so should you continue to buy? I don't know. Do the numbers make sense to you? You know, are, are they cash flowing? How much are you putting down versus what it's bringing in? Do you have the cash to continue to do that? I mean, those are the things. Like, I don't know the market that you're in in Indiana. Um, but, you know, a lot. what I will say is that a lot of, you know, take Fort Wayne, for example, right? It's a market that for 20 years never really saw any price growth. Um, you know, prices just kind of moved sideways while the pandemic and different things shifted you know that and and over time job growth and employment and just different things have come there that have created you know more people wanting to be there but even then it's not the appreciation that you would see in some of these other places so you know buying these homes in that area are what are you looking for cash flow appreciation it sounds like probably like cash flow so if you can continue to put money down on these properties at the prices they are currently you know it sounds like maybe they need some TLC too you can do that work and maybe even get some further appreciation by putting some money into it. Those are the things that you you want to do long-term if you can. Um, but again, it all comes down to the numbers. Do the numbers make sense? Josh would say the numbers never lie. And you know, investment property is, is honestly the best example of that. You get a real quick snapshot by saying, what's it going to rent for? What's my mortgage? What's my taxes, insurance, you know, cost to maintain that property, property manager, Look at them side by side and say, okay, does it make sense? Yes, no. If it does, great. But the question is, can you put that money somewhere else and make a better return? Well, I don't know. In an inflationary environment, a fixed asset like real estate is one of the better places you can park it. So then you got to start asking yourself, what does inflation look like in a year or two? So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but you know, to each his own on, on something like that. You know, Jeb, it's funny. The, the question reminded me of a, a situation. I had a, a buyer, um, that the two of them had, had bought a couple homes through me. Um, uh, they weren't married. One bought a house and then the other bought a condo. Um, uh, but the gentleman ended up finding an investor at an investment club. And this is not uncommon. I've heard this story multiple times that the guy had accumulated a 60 or 70 home portfolio through his life. And he was in his seventies. He's like, I just want out. So the guy started selling him the properties, thankfully in the late 90s, thankfully for him in the late 90s and early 2000s when prices were still uh, low relative to rents and he was putting a small down payment. The guy was carrying back the loans and so he was losing out on his rent, but he was getting a mortgage payment and keeping that cash flow every month. This guy ended up acquiring like 30 houses and you remember 99, 2000, 2001 is when things went nuts. He ended up selling a bunch of them, buying homes in the Central Valley, new build construction when it would take a year to build them and they'd go up 50% in value during that time frame. The guy ended up being a, a millionaire. So it's funny, that question sort of triggered me to think, has he found an investor who's who has a portfolio that's liquidating that portfolio? That can be amazing. Or is it an investor who's out bird dogging properties, finding distressed properties, putting them under contract at a good price, and then wholesaling them to you as an investor. And that's, that's not to downplay that. Those can be great deals also. The flipper that I talked about earlier, she buys homes from wholesalers all the time that she's able to make good money on. Um, but uh, Samson, if you want to throw it up in the comments, I'd love to hear. Is the guy liquidating a portfolio or are you buying from a wholesale investor that's just reselling rather than rehabbing and holding it themselves? There you go. There you go. Um... Steve, Steve has a question, says, are you seeing first time homebuyers being able to reduce their federal tax and state tax liabilities with higher interest rates and purchase prices? Josh, here's the thing that I always like to tell people. 
a higher interest. I've had clients say, I'll take a higher interest rate. I need the tax write-off. That's not how it works. So the interest, the mortgage interest, up to $750,000 of mortgage debt comes off of your income. And yes, that deduction is much better at 5% than it is at 3%. Just use the example. You have a $500,000 mortgage at 3% interest, you paid $15,000 of deductible interest that first year or roughly. And at 5%, you paid 25,000. So you got a 10% or $10,000 larger write-off. So the thing is you paid $10,000 and $10,000 of that was deductible against your income. So you save 35, 40, 45%, depending on your state taxes and your tax bracket, but you had to pay 100% out of your pocket. So you lost that cash flow. You would have rather had a higher tax bill and a lower mortgage payment than the higher mortgage payment and a higher tax deduction. If you Maybe I'm just a pessimist or a realist and you're trying to look on the bright side here. What's the upside of higher interest rates? Yes, you do end up with a larger tax deduction, but it decreases your net spendable cash flow um, to put into your 38 gallon gas tank. Awesome, good stuff. Um, Tom, Tom did this at 540, says 200 people watching, 21 thumbs up. Come on, two smart dudes here being truthful. And I looked down and there's 63 thumbs up. So I don't know if Tom is the driver of the thumbs up <laughs> he, he, he or Tom him in there. just didn't see the right number. But Tom, I mean, you, you are a supporter here. So I need you to take the lead here and, and continually ask for thumbs up because people are clearly listening when you do it. But if you're finding any value at all right now, hit the thumbs up again. It helps YouTube know that people are watching it, liking it, disliking it, whatever, and putting it out to more people so more people can watch it. So that is all we ask in that um, and that you'll like the show. And um, yeah, thank you guys for uh, for being here. And thanks, uh, Tom, for doing that. I am misread. So is a regular viewer here says, Josh, can I get your honest opinion on guaranteed rate? So it's a, a reputable company. They are a direct lender. Um, direct lender in general is going to have slightly higher rates than a, a mortgage broker. Um, you can also look at credit unions and banks uh, around, um, which oftentimes will be even higher than an independent mortgage bank like guaranteed rate. But if you look, they're, they're a reputable company. They're a big company. They're top, I don't know if they're top five, but they're definitely a top 10 national lender. Um, you know, someone who's popped into the comments here a few times and I think actually guested with uh, Jeb one time is Jennifer Beeston. Um, she's up in Sacramento. She works for guaranteed rate, thinks they're the greatest. So um, really what it's going to come down to is I think Jennifer Beeston is more important than guaranteed rate. You want to work with an expert. So um, I think that guaranteed rate does a better job than most companies of making sure they don't have a lot of turds in the ranks, but I also don't necessarily think they're doing uh, any better job than anyone else of making sure there's experts there. And that's just, that's not a, a knock on guaranteed rate. That's the nature of the beast. You know, this is truly a 95-5 business. You want a top 5% loan officer on your side that can explain things to you, that has good products, that has good prices, and that has good service and systems for managing the process for you so that you get what you want and deserve. Guaranteed rate has awesome technology. Um, so there's some really good things there. If you get with a good loan officer with them, you should be fine. Good stuff. So I just read a comment here and it's one that just came in and it's something that I'm going to put up here because I think it's, uh, it's, it's what a lot of people want to know, want to see, want to talk about. So suffering sucks as I watch a few real, real estate 
YouTube real estate quote unquote experts. And that's the key with right there, the, the quote unquote, that are professing that an impending house crash is high. On the other hand, there are experts that say no crash in sight. Now, I will take the fact that there's no quotes around the expert in the second part as fact <laughs> on that one. But here's what I'll say. I know of two people specifically that post a lot of housing crash stuff. One is in California. And um, I looked him up to see when he got his real estate license. And he had he's had it like a year and a half, maybe maybe two at this point. So I wouldn't call him an expert by any means. Um, so that let's, let's be clear right there. So that, that eliminates you from being an expert if you've been in the business two years. Um, and the other one doesn't practice real estate at all. Um, and I'm not even sure the other one sells any real estate. I think he's just become a YouTuber, um, probably because he doesn't sell any homes, but the other one doesn't sell real estate at all. And, and so I don't know, you can be an expert on real estate unless you're in the business with boots on the ground, actually doing it day in and day out. Because yeah, you can read headlines and yeah, you can make your assumption as to what that means. But unless you're out there seeing it, feeling it, dealing with buyers, sellers, the emotion, everything that goes on in that process, that is part of the the benefit, the luxury that you guys get in, in watching the channel. And, and I'm not saying that you're lucky to be here because it's not that at all, but I can give you exactly the conversations I'm having with people that are in your shoes and the seller's shoes, what they're thinking about, you know, more inventory about demand, all of this stuff. It's real world experience thrown at you guys, you know, basically in real time um, to help you make the right decision. So again, everybody's biased, um, has some sort of bias in, in what they believe, whether it's up, down, whatever. I'm bullish on real estate. I think you guys know that um, because I know what it creates long-term. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't understand it, that don't own property, that are there for different reasons. And so I'm trying to make sure you're educated so you can make the best decision. So hey, Jeb, we have a wonderful follow-up comment that doesn't actually unmask the, the band that you're talking about. But uh Ariel says that a-hole almost convinced me to not buy when interest rates were two and a half, two point seven five per percent with no buy down. So um, these yeah, well, people, who are we talking about, Ariel? I'd love to know, I, and I will gladly confirm it um, or deny it on here. Um, there is that your answer? Yep. Yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you said it. Like the five, the five laughing faces. That's what I like. That's every time I see a video, it's all the same thing. Here's the thing that I always go to Jeb. Um, when we watch these videos, some of them have data that they're trying to mislead with, that it's super easy to pick apart, not factual, accurate data um, that we can point to. Hopefully we do our best here when we're live to point to the actual data sources that we're using. Um, and some of it's still opinion. It's not necessarily facts, but it's fact based. Um, and one of those people, the one that has not been mentioned, literally um, misleads people intentionally with data that's cherry picked, taken out of context, presented incorrectly. This person literally never has data. He's just throwing numbers. Like, and and the the titles actually will lead with a million foreclosures coming to the market. And then you watch the video, and there's no math that says where is where is that coming from. So um, just take it with a grain of salt. Watch all the channels. Take it in. See what you think. See if you think the person is is reputable, and see what you think about the data behind their opinions. Because it's all opinions. Jeb and I are here giving you opinions. Yeah, These are my, not facts. this is my opinion. This is not fact by any means. 
Uh, but it's it's given you experience. Josh, 20 plus years in in lending and and me, you know, nearly 20 years in mortgage and lending. Um, just firsthand giving you, you know, and, and two people that read read a lot. Uh, but anyway, Anya says, is VA funding fee planning to be lower? Josh, any thoughts on that? You mentioned uh, mortgage insurance on on FHA earlier. How about uh, VA? The VA does this totally differently. Um, and they, uh, they, with one hand, they give it, and the other hand, they take it away. In 2020, they removed loan limits for VA loans as part of the, the Navy Blue Water Act. Um, to offset that cost of giving out that benefit, they increased funding fees. So your first time use is 2.3%, subsequent use is 1.7, cash out or 3.7. Subsequent use uh, uh, is 3.7, cash out is astronomical. So unless you are exempt from your funding fee, you're probably not going to do cash out on a, a VA loan. Um, or if you absolutely had to go to 100%. And unfortunately, because the, the legislation was written that way to offset the cost of, of some of the things in the Blue Water Act and the larger loan amounts, uh, I don't expect it to change anytime soon, although it's not really risk-based in terms of what veterans bring in terms of risk to insure those loans because they're the best performing loans in the market, despite the fact they don't require a down payment. There you go. And I was wrong. It's been uh, just short of four years on the license. So still not an expert. Um, anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on the Norwalk market? Um, I'm assuming that's probably more towards me. Norwalk is one of those areas that's a little more affordable, a little less expensive than some of the surrounding areas by it. Um, Lakewood being one of those um, you know, La Mirada and some of these areas that kind of lead you out there near, near Norwalk. You know, it's one of those markets that because prices, um, are a little bit more affordable, you know, I think it's, it's not really going to go anywhere right now, but what I will say is if prices around there, um, you know, if, if the other markets like Lakewood and some of these become, you know, less or more affordable by values coming down, Norwalk's going to be affected more, um, if that makes sense. Um, just because I think more people would rather live in some of the pockets around it versus the city there itself. Um, but maybe you have family there. Maybe that's the city you want to be in for whatever reason. And therefore, you know, it, that might not matter. So uh, it's, it's still part of a, a bigger macro market that is still desirable um, where inventory is, is still tight. So for the time being, I don't see a lot changing there. Um, now things in Lakewood have started to settle a little bit, you know, homes in that eight fifty dollars to $900,000 price point that were selling $50,000, above the asking price, almost like routinely less of that. Um, in fact, a buddy of mine, I played golf with last week has one listed at eight fifty in Norwalk. I mean, in, in Lakewood right now, again, it's not Norwalk, but it, it's, it's sitting on the market now, whereas couple of months ago, it wouldn't have been at that price point. And it's a nice property and it's it's priced right. So those are the markets around it to watch, in my opinion, to kind of see, you know, more of, of what's going to happen in, in Norwalk itself, if that's helpful. Uh, Josh, what areas in California would you recommend as a first time home buyer friendly, if any? So we've got some buyers that are buying in, in central California that I think are a little bit more friendly to first time home buyers. And what I mean by that is because of it's, it's a more affordable price point. Um, you know, the, the Fresno, Bakersfield, some of these markets are a little bit more 
friendly um, with regards to to home prices, and therefore it's it's more friendly to first time home buyers. Now, outside of that, I honestly don't really know um, a lot of those markets that might be more friendly. Josh, any any input on that? I would say it's the same thing. What is it? What are you looking for as a first time buyer? Most first time buyers are younger starting families. So they want amenities that appeal to younger folks, um, to families, and they want affordability and they want safety in schools. So any place that has that. So Jeb, you know, hit the nail on the head. Central Valley uh, has has better price points relative uh, to, to other parts um, and still has a lot of the good things uh, about California. In Fresno, you're, you're four hours away from Southern California. You're two, three hours away from the Bay Area. Um, so you still have access Access. I mean, you can be to Tahoe, uh, Yosemite, a lot of, of really cool things. So is it coastal Southern California? No. Um, is it the Bay Area? No, but but good prices. In a lot of the Sacramento area, we have a lot of first-time home buyers that even though the prices are up, that you can't get a $250,000 single family in greater Sacramento anymore, but you can still get a nice home at a reasonable price, especially relative to Southern California and the, the coastal parts of Northern California. Nope. Nope. Good stuff there. Um, so we got another one here. So Michael August is, is a hundred K a lot of money. Um, to some people it might be to others, maybe not so much. Um, I think it's, it's all relative to what you're doing and, and what you're using a hundred thousand dollars for. If you live in a market where home prices are a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand is a lot of money. If you're looking to buy a $2.5 million house it ain't going to get you very far. So, um, again, it's, it's all relative. It's, you know, not, not a hard, fast rule on that, but yeah, it's, that that's a, that's a lot of money. Just depends on what you're using it for. If you buy nine Bitcoin, when it drops to 11,000, if it goes back to 60,000, you're going to be the happiest man on the planet that you had that hundred grand. There you go. So, so that's what you should do is what I think what Josh suggesting there. Um, what do you think about private funds like BlackRock buying single family homes and making Americans into renters? Josh, this is it's a question that could go uh, deep. I believe in free will, and I don't think anyone is making anyone do anything. Um, we can say it's making it more difficult to become a homeowner, especially in areas where, where private equity is buying up a lot of homes. I don't like it. Don't don't like it at all, um, and would prefer, you know, that that homes were for homeowners and home buyers. It's it's been shown to be better. The reason why home ownership rates equate to um, higher school scores, lower crime, and, and all that is because people take pride of ownership. They want their neighborhood to to be good. Um, so with with rental neighborhoods, even if they're rental single families, there's more transients, people move, turnover, they don't build deep roots with their community and their neighbors. So um, I don't think anyone is making anyone rent. I mean, you go back to the one here where, hey, um, with home prices at $800,000, how does someone save up with inflation high? All of those things are true. I'm not ever gonna tell someone that it's not hard, but nothing worth doing is. Um, so you got to just decide what matters and what's important Gosh, to just life. Got profound there. Well, I'm just saying part of, part of it is is your mindset. If you're saying, hey, these these big boogeymen are forcing Americans into being renters, you just took power away from Americans. Um, and, and that's not to say that those the forces aren't there 
pushing on it and making it harder, but you, you have to decide that, that this is important to you and your family and your future and just make it happen. Even if that means sacrifice in terms of working a second job to, to build up the down payment, if it means sacrifice living a little further away, we've talked about moving out of state. A lot of people in Southern California are moving to Arizona. Would Do they want to live in Arizona? No, but they're saying, I would rather be a homeowner in Arizona than a renter in Southern California. No, and and I think that's important. It's you know everybody looks at the big picture, says house prices are they're too expensive. I can't buy them. Well, maybe not in California, but what about if you moved, moved to a more affordable area? Maybe that's not ideal for you, but it's it's an option. Um, and again, I, I I believe in free markets. I believe in people being able to set prices and buy what they want without you know the government getting involved and saying you can't do certain things. So I'm not a proponent of black right block. BlackRock buying property, but at the same time, I understand why they're doing it. Um, and you know, as a you know a, a free market believer and and thinker, I you know I I don't think they should change that um, just because they they own a lot of real estate. So I know Jeff, people yeah, I, hate I, that, but a know. nice little co- a comment here. Dan Cooper pipes in and just says, "Yep, there's one rental house in my neighborhood, and we all knew a long time ago just by casual observation before we confirmed it." So again, it's just the the difference between owners and renters. And for the most part, um, I would love for most Americans to be able to own and have pride of ownership and live in nice neighborhoods. Good stuff. Um, Sam says, "Thanks for giving us all the good information." I have a uh, do you have a question about? Can we get uh, arms on on FHA loans? So can you do adjustable rates on an FHA loan, Josh? You can get them. Um, for the most part, I'm not seeing any advantage to it. It has a lot to do with uh, with the yield curve, with the desire in the second market, secondary markets and the liquidity of it. Now, specifically by the 10-year arm, I don't believe that FHA will go longer than the five-year. I think they offer one, three, and five. Um, if anyone knows different and I'm wrong and there's a seven or a 10, uh, I'm, I'm all ears, but I've, I don't, I've never seen one offered. All right. Uh, Michael goes on to ask any dealing, uh, any advice on dealing with seller's remorse? No, I mean, unfortunately, there's not much there other than um, I don't know. I I don't know how you deal with seller's remorse. Uh, Maybe get back into the market. Um, Yeah, I I don't I don't steal your house back. Yeah, you're talking to a very pragmatic, um, you know, my EQ is like one um, on on a scale of like a hundred. So I, I don't deal with remorse very well. I'm not sure what that even means, Josh. Every every waitress that's ever served this man can vouch for his EQ of zero. So that's that's not a problem. I'm just I'm just I'm just, I'm just like steady. I don't get I don't have highs. I don't have lows. I'm just I'm Jeb. I just Jeb. Um, let's see, Reneal, 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 Reneal. Maybe close. Uh, my English isn't very good either. Uh, well, hold, hold on, Jeb. This I, I want to know. I want them to comment. I learned this when my wife, um, her parents were in Dutch Harbor, Alaska. And there's a big Filipino community there. And there were some names. I'm like, I've never heard those names before. Well, in the Filipino community, sometimes they will take half of the mom's name and half of the dad's name. And I'm thinking that might be the case here. I would love to hear if that's uh, one of those uh, compound names. Okay, there you go. Um, any any chance price decreases in areas like Anaheim Hills, Walnut, Diamond Bar, uh, rates increased and made the market slow down, but prices are still expensive in those areas. So, yeah, I mean, there's a chance of some price decreases, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't get into the mindset that it's going to be something drastic and or 
a big change. Um, you know, you might see prices come down a little bit, um, you know, especially in a market, maybe in, in, a, in a community that has multiple listings that are similar. Those are the properties that, that, you know, the sellers should start thinking, okay, there's competition. What do I need to do to set myself apart? And if they're, if they need to sell, then they, they probably need to adjust the price downward. Um, but I don't know that I would get in the mindset that that's going to be something that's going to happen across the board in all these cities. I don't know Diamond Bar well enough and or Walnut. Um, Anaheim Hills is close enough to know that it's a desirable uh, area. People still want to be up there. Um, you know, you have larger lots, you have swimming pools, you have, you know, views and, and, you know, decent sized properties up there as compared to a lot of um, other areas in, in Orange County. But, you know, it's, it's again, it's all relative. It, it all depends on where you want to be. But I can't imagine things changing very much, um, at least for the foreseeable future, even with inventory increasing. Well, Jeb, we because didn't... Josh mentioned earlier, prices are sticky to the upside. Right. I mean, if you sell your if you have your house on the market for a million bucks because your neighbor um, sold their house for a million bucks or say they sold it for nine fifty and you think yours is better. So you listed yours at a million bucks. Well, at some point you might, you know, and if you have to sell, you might end up reducing the price some. But you get to a point where you're like, I'm not going to sell my house any less than what John down the street sold his house for because John's house sucked. And he sold it for nine fifty. Therefore, if I can't get at least nine fifty or nine seventy five, I'm not selling. That happens. I'm telling you, I have those conversations. Um, and I think in an environment right this, where people have low rates, you're going to see more of that. People will ride out a sideways or slightly downtrending market versus selling for less than the last sale in their neighborhood. Um, again, we've talked about it. You have to be highly motivated to sell when prices are lower than what your brain told you you could have sold for at one point. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but it's nope. a significant break on demand or, or supply in, in a market. All right. So I clicked on this one by accident, but we'll just throw it up there. Do you think the majority of people calling or predicting a crash are people that don't own any homes? It's a good yes. question. Yes, I, I think so. I, I think in, in the comment <laughs> section, yes. But what about these people that have the big channels? You know, what's Ken, Ken, what's his name that's been screaming for two and a half years while, while buying? He's calmed down a little bit, though, I think. Has I, he? I, I haven't watched his channel, um, but he, I don't know that he posts a lot of that anymore. Um, but that, that dude owns a lot of real estate. Um, and and was buying was, all through was the, buying the timeline while the telling time you. He was talking about it. It was going to crash. So I, I think um, people might be saying it for views that maybe don't believe it. But, I mean, you take the... I think a lot of the people out there that have been calling it, I think, are probably renters um, and, and more like Josh said, people in the comments than anything else. Uh, we got Matt, the mortgage guy here. Matt is a lender with a YouTube channel. Check out Matt if you want some additional information on how the market's not going to crash. Um, at least I think that's what he's posting. I'm not sure if he's posting anything. Otherwise, we'll ask him not to come back. Um, you're, you're out. You're out. We don't have other opinions here. We only have one. Uh, let's get to some questions that I'll get to more people. Uh, Kathy, because we got a lot of specific questions on California and some of these cities. So Kathy, Kathy says, do you all think, uh, do y'all think next year in May the mortgage rates will be back down or higher than today, Josh? 
I believe uh, with a pretty high degree of certainty, we will see rates lower. Um, I, do we go from here, straight line lower to, to next May? Uh, doubtful. You know, I think we, we still haven't seen the peak. I don't know that the peak is much higher from where we are right now. Um, but, you know, both Jeb and I follow multiple people in multiple industries with solid economics backgrounds that believe that we are headed towards recession or quasi-recession, which is by definition deflationary inflation will moderate get in control uh and come down to more reasonable levels so next may it's a year from now um my expectation would be for lower interest rates so the question is are we talking four and a half you know from five and a quarter to four and a half that doesn't make a, a huge difference if it goes to four and a quarter or three and three quarters um it, it could make a fairly big difference but uh, there's there's some fairly large incentives um for the government to keep rates as high as long as they can to sort of moderate housing here. If, if something happened and in three months, rates were back down at 3%, you would see the housing market pick up again and see a, a flurry of sales and appreciation. Um, and I don't know that that is, is what anyone wants. So, you know, somewhere in the four, four and a half range, if I were guessing of where we would be this time next year, which is a, a lot better than where we are right now and still a good bit higher than where we were six months ago. All right. Good stuff. I just put a survey in the chat. Um, I feel like a lot of the questions that we touch on are similar. We, we repeat them weekly. I feel like uh, a lot of the information we give is the same uh, over a course of time. I mean, over the course of a week. So question to you, do you feel like it would be more valuable to have this every other week um, where you're not hearing the same stuff and, and getting fresh information on a two week basis versus every week? Um, just, I would love to know your thoughts. What, what, what you guys think, um, versus coming in every, every week, uh, and, and repeating ourselves constantly. So, um, let's see, we got some questions here, Josh, do you, what do you think? What do you think of Laguna Niguel versus Irvine attached three bedroom, which is better on appreciation to hold 10 to 15 years. So, Got to go with Irvine. Um, Irvine, just because it's they're typically newer properties, um, you know, the university, you just have a you you really have a strong buyer demand in Irvine. Um, the Irvine buyer only wants Irvine. They, yes. They're not open to any other community. They it's, want it, the Irvine. demographic there is strong um, and they want to be there because of safety. They want to be there for for family and friends and the university and all of that properties are newer. Um, Irvine has a, you know, while it's very cookie cutter in many ways, it, they had a mess, a master plan when they developed Irvine and they're continuing to follow it and they're almost done, I think. Uh, but it just, I mean, it, it, if you're looking for, for, you know, those things, safety and, and, you know, nice properties and what have you, it's a, it's a great, great place to be. Uh, so I think that over Laguna, um, Niguel for, for those reasons, but again, there's pockets in Laguna Niguel that people want to be in, um, you know, for, for different reasons, but as a whole, I think Irvine's probably, uh, a better fit for, for long-term appreciation. And if we were to guess over the long-term, I don't think there's a huge divergence between those communities. No, but Irvine, Irvine is magic. Um, and, and almost, I'm not an Irvine person, so to me, it, it looks like it's, it doesn't make sense. But to Irvine people, it makes perfect sense, and they don't ever go away or decrease in number. So if you tell me you're going to invest either in your own residence or uh, an investment property, Irvine is a wonderful place to be. All right, good stuff. Um, Aziz, Aziz, 
Sure. Realtors say that now is a good time to buy a house. That's true? Question mark? Because all they are saying that prices are going to rise and percentage rates are going to rise. What do you think? So, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, I think the market is going to slow. I think you're going to see less appreciation. I think you're going to see more sideways movement. Some markets, you're going to see some downward movement. Does that mean 20%? No, I don't think so. But more, you know, more normal growth over, you know, an, an extended period of time. It, you need some, some pullbacks. You need not, you don't need the recession, but what recessions do is, is they, they let the steam out of the market, right? You, you know, a typical market, the growth is three, three and a half years. Um, and, and then the recession usually comes in lasts about 11 months, uh, to a year and kind of lets the steam out of that. And it continues. And that's what allows a market to grow is the growth, the pullback, the growth, pullback and what have you. And so I think we're in a time where things need to normalize a little bit. So to ask the question, is it a good time to buy? Sure. It's a good time to buy. If you have a longer term time horizon, if you know, all of those things that we talk about every single week are true for you, um, having money in the bank, not stretching yourself. Sure. It's a great time to buy. Can you buy a property in six months for less than you can today? Maybe in some markets you'll be able to, but the question is, you don't know what what imp, like where's the market where are rates where are all of these things at that time it's all about you know fixing an asset fixing a monthly payment if you will um in an environment where things are going up you know if you can control how much you spend every single month and it and it won't change i think it's better to lock that in sooner rather than later if your other option is renting because renting you're just throwing the money away anyway and that doesn't mean you should go out and buy a house just because you're renting Again, all of those things need to make sense, you know, in addition to it being the right time of your life. Josh, no, no, pr no. pretty much the, the, the same thing. Uh, again, do I think rate the, that home prices are going to shoot to the, the moon like they have the last two years? No, they're absolutely leveling off um, and, and going to moderate and interest rates the same. We've seen a big run up in interest rates. I think we're close to the end of that and they will moderate uh, as well. But if we were to look forward the next three to five years, uh, I think moderate inflation um, in line or less than the 76 year uh, average, which is what 4.6, 4.7% uh, increases in home value. So somewhere between zero and 4% for the foreseeable future. And from what we're seeing right now, saying zero sounds crazy because none of my clients are just walking in and writing an offer and getting the home under contract at whatever they wrote. They're in competitive bidding situations. Thankfully, it's two, three, four other offers instead of 15, but uh, we're still seeing that and we're still seeing upward pressure on prices, just not nearly to the, to the degree that there was six months ago. Good stuff. So uh, it's again the time when I'm going to ask you guys to help us out. Um, and you can do that by clicking the thumbs up. Why? Because we spend two hours here helping you guys answering your questions, spending time away from our families to help uh, you guys navigate a changing market. Um, and you might think, well, Jeb, you just do this because YouTube's paying you all this money. They ain't paying me jack to be here. So <laughs> You can help by hitting thumbs up and we will help you again by continuing to be here and answering your questions. Right now, the poll basically wants us here every week, Josh. So any any freedom you thought you were getting has been eliminated. Other it than helped. Matt did say that you could take a week off and have the loans and he would just fill in the chat on YouTube. It so. helps me build up my hunger so that when I get to Wing Wednesday, I can have like 15 or 20 instead of just 10 or 12. There you go. So that's, that's that. Uh, but hit the thumbs up. You, again, 
I'd ask if you need a lender here in the state of California, you can reach out to to Josh directly. Um, if you need a real estate agent here in you know Orange County, I can be of assistance to you and guide you through that um, that process. Uh, and outside of California, um, I can refer you to somebody. And same for for Josh. If you, if you need a lender anywhere in the state of California, we can uh, we can connect you. Um, all you got to do is take advantage and click on that little link there at the bottom or go to that website. and We will connect you to do that. It's more of just making sure you're uh, connected with the right people. So 132 thumbs up, Josh. We need Tom in here. We need Tom to come in and double our account again. But looks like Tom's disappeared. Tom found better things to do. Uh, we got um, a couple more I, questions here. Yep. I think Tom has a question. Is Tom, Tom still here? Because there's a, oh, there's a question you. from 6, 10 p.m. Okay, that you have not go. answered. So Tom All is right. definitely think still here. I should jump in. Okay, so he has 600 cash. Should you jump in with most of it or put 20% down and get a loan? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I like leverage. I like cash. Even in an inflationary environment where your cash is going to be worth less, I like having money. Um, so I'm going to put the least amount down that I feel comfortable with the monthly payment and I'm going to keep some in cash and I might invest it. And, and when I mean by cash, I might even put it in the market um, and it not physical cash, but it's, you know, not, um, you know, invested in my house, so to speak. So uh, I like diversification in, in some regard, but some people like no mortgage payment and I'm okay with that too. You just got to know what's right for you. Josh, what's your thoughts on that? A couple of philosophies to consider here um, with a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, 40% down gets you the best terms available at whatever your given credit score is. So if you want to lean towards a bigger down payment and making sure you're getting the absolute best terms, a 60% loan with a 40% down is sort of a, a happy medium. Um, we had mentioned last week or maybe the week before, Douglas Andrew, the author of a book called Misfortune, Misfortune 101. Um, he says you only want to own a home one of two ways, either fully mortgaged or with no loan on it. So, um, there's no right or wrong there, but um, having no mortgage payment is one way to go. Having some free cash flow, like the only thing that that worries me is you say I don't know what to invest the other money in, but just to have it, um, I'd feel a lot better about it if you had either a financial advisor or a comfort level yourself with what you could invest that that money in. Um, but for me, I would I would lean towards make as small a down payment as you're comfortable with, but don't feel like 20% is the only number. You can do 30, 35, 40% kind of find a happy medium there for you good stuff uh wesley followed up on something we mentioned earlier says basically he got the hell out of lakewood moved to vegas because house prices were too expensive sure i get it i mean i hell i i had some some clients that ended up selling out of lakewood and buying in long beach um for basically the same price they sold so they i'm not sure what they gained <laughs> from it but they got out of lakewood because lakewood was too expensive so they moved to long beach but no, I, I I get the the thinking behind that. I mean, it's you know I, I can tell you I've had multiple conversations with sellers over the years. In fact, I saw something on on a, a group that I'm a part of where they had posted a sign of a community here in Huntington Beach, and it's it's a track called Pacific Sands Track, and it's off Beach Boulevard. It's probably about a mile to the ocean from there. And when they were originally selling these properties, it the on the sign it shows it was like. Uh, 12,500 to like 17,500 or something was the numbers. And it was like, that was the full price for the house. And then I've had conversations with, with sellers um, that have, that have ended up selling these properties over time that bought them at that. And they told me, 
when I bought that property, I didn't know how I was going to make the mortgage payment for one. I, I was scared to death that I'd never be able to make the mortgage payment, but it, but my basically my family needed a house was was one. And secondly, um, I never thought it was going to be more worth more money than I paid for it. And those properties today, and the, the, keep in mind, this track was built in the 60s. So those houses today are worth one, three, one, five, one, six, seven, in some cases, depending on what's there. So, you know, things go up over time. And, and just like Lakewood, eventually that house will be worth more money than it is today. It's just a matter of, of when's that going to happen. Uh, Josh, can a buyer assume a seller's loan? That is at a lower interest rate than the present higher rate. Depends on the loan type. Most loans have a due on sale clause. Um, government loans will allow you to assume them. VA and FHA loans are assumable. The problem with an assumable loan is, let's say someone bought this time last year and the home value is up 15%. Unless you have 15% down to give them to hand over their equity, um, you're going to have a very hard time assuming that loan. And the, the assumability, there is a process for going through that. So you definitely have a seller willing to cooperate. So when it was really popular was in the early 80s when rates were really, really high and loans were really, really small. So maybe the home had appreciated $10,000 and someone saved up $10,000 and they could assume a $35,000 loan at 4% instead of 14%. There was a big incentive to do that. And because rates were so high and homes weren't necessarily moving, sellers had a big incentive to cooperate with it. Um, we're just not quite there in, in the current market. Could I see it happening? Possibly, but it would require big down payments to make it make sense. And it's probably one of those situations where big, uh, big deep pockets would come in and say, hey, I can buy out your equity for $100,000 and take over your two and a half percent interest rate on an FHA or a, a VA loan. Yeah, I, I recently came across a property in the MLS that my client was interested in viewing. And one of the comments in the MLS was that the seller has an assumable loan at a much lower interest rate. Um, but for whatever reason, client was wasn't actually interested after getting into more detail. So I'm not sure what what all that meant. Um, I should have called to find out what kind of loan it was to get some more information. So, uh, okay. but they are out there. They're just not very common. Jeb, we, we do have the comment of the night. An hour and 34 minutes into it, we have the oh, comment boy. of the evening. Okay. We haven't, we haven't seen Darren Budry in a while, but it says, yep. closed on my loan one year ago, but still come here every Wednesday for these lives. Wednesday nights wouldn't be the same without the Cheech and Chong of real estate. We're getting t-shirts made. We're getting the educated home buyer on the front and then the Cheech and Chongs of real estate. On I the think back. the only way that works is if we come here and just blasted, just, <laughs> just eat some edibles and come on here and just do a show. I think, uh, mm. you know, um, anyway, probably not going to do that. Uh, then it would be family friendly. So Tom, you said you had $600,000, but you won $2 million in a lawsuit. What did you do with the other 1.4? I'm more, curious get as to, I'm more curious as to where the other 1.4 million went. I hope you have a really good story. Anyway, um, well, we don't see. want it to be too good. It could be like, um, you remember the guy in the Larry H. Parker commercials? And for the first 10 years, they didn't show that he was in a wheelchair. They're like, Larry H. Parker got me $2 million. And then finally, after like 10 years, the, the rumor got out that he was actually in a wheelchair. I'm not sure most people would trade uh, $2 million for being wheelchair bound. I would not. There is no amount of money that I would yeah. trade for that. Um, let's see here. What do we got? We got some more questions or is it time for us to just talk? 
Um, do you guys like Sonoma County, California? Um, yeah. I mean, I think Sonoma's, I mean, if you're into wine for sure, I mean, there's some great properties up there, great estates. Um, I like being in a, in a bigger metropolitan type city. Like, I mean, not county area that has a little bit more access to things, um, than say Sonoma, but Sonoma's great for what it is. Um, you know, I know some great agents up there if you're looking to buy thoughts on Sonoma, Josh. I've been there a time or two. It isn't that like you don't uh, like wine, so you're near, out there. Near wine country. I'm not. I'm not a wine guy. We went uh, up for the races. The races were fun, but I don't know that we want to go all that often. But it seemed a, a wonderful place to live if you uh, like the climate. There you go. Uh, <laughs> what was Willing's? What was Willing's name that came on last week? We need to go back and watch the replay. I know she I'm, outed I'm... herself. Did she, or was it a ploy? I don't know. I think, it, you know, you never know. I don't know what's going on here. Um, let's see. Rosie, the car lady says I'm buying a property tomorrow with a bridge loan. I'm afraid that the interest rate will be eight or 9% by December. What do you think? Um, if, are you talking about a 30 year fixed mortgage being eight or 9%? If that's the case, I say there's no world in which that happens. Um, but that's me personally um but are you are you talking about a, the bridge loan that you have now i i'm not i think we're talking about two different things so i think you're you're getting a bridge loan because you think rates are going to be higher in the future and and you don't want to have to deal with them is that what you're getting josh yeah yeah so the the bridge loan is should be paid off by december once you get moved over so i think you're just worried about the the permanent takeout financing so from that perspective you know uh would a, is it possible? Anything's possible. Is it likely? It's very, 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 very unlikely. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Mr. ABS, uh, Mr. Abs, Mr. Abs. What am I seeing when searching homes that recently sold that are two hundred to $400,000 lower than others in the same community? Inaccurate, just sold prices, old listing pictures, other, especially with this market. So I'd love to know what you're looking at. Um, something doesn't sound right there if i'm reading your question correctly uh so yeah i mean what market are you in remind me i don't I, remember why am i wanting to say virginia? virginia yeah it's yeah, virginia. virginia i think it was yeah i mean you know the thing about virginia depending on where you are i mean i i know a couple agents in different parts of virginia um and in fact i just came back from a conference and talked to a lot of markets still moving strong in, in, in those markets. So I can't imagine anything selling two to $400,000 lower than the asking price um, without something being considerably wrong with that property. Um, especially if you're seeing it happen and it sounds like on more than one case. So yeah, I'm not, not a hundred percent sure on that one. So Jeb, as I suspected to win a $2 million oh, lawsuit, Tom got, got ran over by a UPS truck, uh, on his motorcycle, but, uh, hold on. He said, uh, so he looks looks perfect, but uh, the damage he sustained was pretty ridiculous. So, nah. again, all's well that ends well, but I, I would also be willing to bet that you'd give the money back to uh, not have gone through it. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry, buddy. That's uh, that's a lot to deal with there. So you got to had a lot of money to get to get recovered. Uh, oh, so one one million dollars in a structured settlement gives him three percent interest and pays him twenty five hundred dollars for the rest of his life. Spent four hundred thousand dollars on toys. Leaves him with six fifty. All right. Well, good stuff. 
Well, let's see here. Oh God. Ariel's back. Ariel's back with their their favorite Scott Walter quote was that the Fed made real estate agents essential workers and thus crashed the market. Mm, That's what crashed the market was essential workers (laughs) had nothing to do with supply and demand. But but the market hasn't crashed. Oh, no, crashed the market. I thought what I took by that was making essential workers, which basically created higher home prices, which is essentially the reason that the market's going to crash so to speak but never mind yeah it's not even worth addressing metal mike had a comment for mr abs this is this is true virginia price is very so much the closer to dc the higher the properties cost we have several people in our network that are in maryland and virginia and 100 percent you've got areas that are two million dollars you've got areas that are two hundred thousand dollars a lot a lot wider range within a couple hours drive than what we have here in, in southern california yeah and then as you go south you got virginia beach and and some of these other areas that are also popular for other reasons so um yeah i mean i again i i know virginia fairly well just being from north carolina so um but i can't imagine any market that's dropping two to four hundred thousand dollar price drops unless you're, you're talking multi-million dollar properties where four hundred thousand dollars is you know a few percentage you know um points of of what it's actually worth and and i'm not sure that's the case that you know you're saying richmond um so in richmond virginia houses are at least 50 percent less than northern virginia so as a whole yeah maybe the prices are less than those budget but they're not dropping by that much all right um josh where are we 141 we don't have a lot of questions man people are uh bored with us i think well, they are bored with us but let's uh i'm bored with us our wives are bored with us so we have to stay here for the last 18 minutes um, I'm not even making an attempt at that uh, username there, but facing a dilemma, moved last year and kept my old house as a rental, but there's almost a half million in capital gain, sell or not. So what, Jeb, they have two more years to make the decision and still have their exclusion. So mm-hmm. if if they lived in it and they've been out of it for a year, you have to have lived in it for two out of the last five. So two mm-hmm. more years to qualify for the exclusion. 250000 of that's excluded. If you're married, all of it's excluded. And if you want to sell, that that makes it an easy decision. But it does give you another year or two if you, if you want to see if the market moves up some more, if you like keeping it as a rental. Um, uh, again, unless you have something much better to do with that money, or you can exclude a bunch of it from debt, uh, from taxes. I, you just, I want to hear again, sell, sell and do what, what's the alternative? What are we going to do with it? What's the motivation for selling the long-term capital gains, um, owning it since 2012 are not going to be huge, but on a half a million dollar gain, it's, it's significant. It's still real money. Um, but those would be my questions there, but I wouldn't let necessarily the gains, uh, be the issue. Um, and depending on, again, what you want to do with that money, a 1031 exchange is always an option now that you have converted that to a rental. But you got to be careful with the 1031 to make sure you can find something you want or move that money into in the time frame that you have that that 90 days, because otherwise you could end up being stuck um, with actually 45 days, right? 45 days to identify. 45 I, days to identify. I think 45 um anyway yeah just got to make sure there's something out there that you want to move the money into um lazaro lazaro you are lucky lazaro because you said the question is what's going on in portland oregon do you see prices going down so lucky for you i'm actually talking to uh, a buddy of mine who is an expert in the portland oregon market on friday we're going to film an episode for the podcast 
um, which is the educated home buyer. For those of you who don't know, uh, you can check it out any platform. Uh, Josh and I are there. We dive into topics related to real estate and mortgage in order to guide you guys. Um, it's a lot more in depth than what we do on here because it's one subject and we can go deep, but we're talking to him on Portland. So we're going to ask him all the questions that you guys want to know about Portland. We recently did an episode on the Phoenix metro area about what's happening there. And if you didn't listen to that, you can go back and check it out. It's about two weeks ago that we put that out there. It's good stuff, really informing, really informative. Um, and I expect the Portland one to be the same. So once we have that information, we'll come on here and give it to you. Um, but if you want to listen to it, then it'll probably be pushed out sometime next week. Good anyway, timing. Yeah, good timing. Really good timing. It's almost like that was a plant. Um, rent independence. Are you an Amber or a Johnny fan, Josh? <laughs> neither, neither. But I, the 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 giggles that I get out of telling my wife that uh, I will do an Amber Heard on her pillow if she keeps taking a bad attitude with me was probably uh, worth the price of admission for their little uh, lawsuit. Yeah, I absolutely have no idea what's going on. I don't follow it. I I I know. I've heard like clips and whatever that, but I'm not like a fan either way. So I don't really care, but I saw he won. Um, let's see. Let's see. Josh, Josh, Josh. What do we got? We got a lot of just, you know, Peter Dornish trying to buy our first home, not found anything. We love with the current budget of 600,000 here in SoCal. Should we increase to 700,000 banking on a refinance in the next 12 months? Too risky. <laughs> never bank on a refinance that's coming we just we just answered the question right. 20 minutes ago i think rates will be lower this time uh next year but let's say you got a half percent improvement on we don't know how much you're putting down but it's it's too risky you have to be comfortable with what that monthly payment looks like and depending on where your debt to income ratio is that number is different for everyone you know i, I tell people all the time i get the question of um okay we just want to send you all of our information and see what we can afford i have no idea what you can afford i can tell you what you qualify for and within that you need to tell me can you afford that and the reason being let's say that jeb didn't have three kids that take up uh, a lot of his his free cash if Jeb and I are both married men, live here in Huntington Beach, just have a spouse, no kids. We still could have a huge difference in how we spend money and what it takes to get by and how much we could allocate to our housing. So um, within that context, that's really what your mortgage advisor should be going through with you saying, this is, is where the debt to income ratio is at 600,000. If we went to 700, this is where it is. What does that do to your lifestyle? What does that do to your, your planning? So those are the conversations I would be having with you if we were, we were talking it through. Um, this question came through and I thought it was, uh, worth, worth talking. Um, uh, with the Fed beginning quantitative tightening this month, I think it started today. Um, you won't see the runoff actually happen until I think the 15th, because that's when the reinvestment would have happened. Um, but how would the Reserve Bank selling mortgage-backed securities affect mortgage interest rates? Josh? It's been very well telegraphed. Um, the market thought it was coming for quite some time. Um, one of the things we talk about here on the show, the spreads between treasuries and mortgage-backed securities are, uh, other than a couple of blips in the last 20 years, at the highest levels uh, that we've seen. And some of that is the market saying, we're not exactly sure how uh, the, the bond market is going to re react to the quantitative tightening and additional supply coming into the market. So they've 
kind of already priced it in. That's the, the, the belief. So we're going to see here in the next couple of weeks if that's true. Um, the Fed learned a lot from the, the taper tantrum back in 2014 when they threw a bunch of supply into the market and didn't necessarily telegraph their plans and intentions. So it should be fairly orderly, and I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on, on interest rates. All right. Good stuff. Um, finally got a logical thought here. I believe this is it. The 2008 crash is the last chance to buy a cheap house. This is the new norm. So I agree with that. Um, cheap being, you know, relative to back then. I mean, back then when people were buying them, nobody really thought they were cheap, but they definitely are compared to now. But uh, yeah, I don't think you'll see those values ever again. Um, I've even gone out as far and say, and I don't think you'll see values from like 2018, 2019 again. Um, just because of, you know, the amount of demand in the market, supply still being low. Um, there's still a lot of factors driving people towards home ownership, and I don't know that it's going to change. Um, and with people locked in at super low rates, that's added a different layer that we've never had before into people wanting to sell their houses. They're, again, I mean, not not imprisoned in their properties, but they they a lot of people are in a position where they cannot move because they cannot afford the cost of moving uh, because of where prices and, and interest rates are. Therefore, they're kind of locked in. You've never had that in history, um, you know, because, you know, rates have always kind of been in that downward trend over a period of time. And at some point you might see them down again, as Josh has mentioned, but I don't know that you see them again in the, in the twos again. So um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I don't know if we'll still be on here when that happens. <laughs> we, we, if we're still on here we doing weekly, if we're still here doing weekly uh, lives at that point, then we deserve more than a thumbs up, guys. Jeb has actually been acquiring Bitcoin with the super chats, and when it goes to the moon, he's out. I would never do that. I would come here and just still do. It would be fantastic. I would just sit on them. I would like form like a pile of them and sit on them, and just that would be my chair. Um, let's see. Are you guys seeing investors drop out of the market? How many investors are getting 40 year loans to cash flow? No one's getting a 40 year loan. Um, they're not out there. Uh, so that's an easy one. Um, are you guys seeing investors drop out of the market? I, I mean, sure. In some markets, investors are dropping out. Um, it really comes to, again, down to cash flow. Do property still make sense? Um, you know, in some of these areas where, uh, you know, you see a lot of investment, type activity because homes are more affordable. I think people are continuing to buy properties. Uh, you know, I recently watched a YouTube video on, on Vegas and how there's still big funds buying property up in Vegas. So I think, you know, the investors with the big money are still putting it to work. The smaller investors might might be sitting a little bit more, but I, I don't think there's much there to uh, to look at. And that 40-year loan, Jeb, um, it doesn't meet the, the non-QM guidelines. So some of the bank statement programs, the debt service coverage ratio loans, they do offer them. Okay. Um, so uh, is there some uptake there in that market? Yeah, but it's a small portion of the market. And then the 40-year terms are a small portion of that small portion of the market. Um, good stuff. Uh, falsificationism. Has anyone seen that home affordability chart appears to show that home prices are actually affordable according to some standardized metric? Is this true? So I thought more than anything that that chart no longer shows that homes are affordable um, unless I'm missing something. But I'd love to see the chart that you're talking about if you want to email it to me. 
Um, I'd love to take a look at it. But everything that I've seen now basically says that that gap between homes being affordable um, relative to to prices, um, you know, wages versus prices and, and whatever chart it is, you know, six, eight months ago showed a different story than it does now with interest rates, you know, at basically recent highs. So I don't know how much affordability is still there. Josh, anything on that one? No, I, but again, if you look in the last year, <laughs> interest rates are up 40, 45%. Home values are up 20%. So um, we were at a relatively decent um, level in terms of affordability this time last year. And I can just tell you anecdotally from the people that I talk to every day, less of the people that inquire with me qualify for what they want. Most people, if they're inquiring with a mortgage person, they're going to qualify for a loan. But you know, we just saw someone here, their, their comfort level is at 600,000. The homes they want are at $700,000. So with that, um, we're just seeing more and more of that. And some of those people suck it up and buy the $700,000 house. Some of the people suck it up and deal with a $600,000 house. And some people just step out of the market. So we're seeing a lot of all of that um, due to the big decrease in affordability over the last year. All right. Good, good stuff. Got some questions here. Um, I mean, Willing is in here strong tonight, just coming back with some great comments. Uh, Josh wants to know if you study, I mean, the first one's like a tongue twister, capital capacity, collateral credit, chase consistency, calm, cool, collected. Luis, do you study matrices often? So do you ever study a, ma a matrix or you just, uh, is it just ingrained in your, in your brain at this point? Well, uh, no, it's not all ingrained because the fun part is Fannie and Freddie are always changing their little matrices. And so you're going back and going, what do they charge for this now? You know, uh, one thing that I was, I was talking to one of my realtor partners today uh, about is that a lot of people don't know in Southern California, most of our purchases are in high balance price ranges. Most of all of California uh, are in high balance price ranges. And Fannie and Freddie, as dictated by the FHA earlier this year in their matrix, increased the loan level price adjustment for any purchase uh, above the standard balance limits, added another point to that. So in addition to rates being up, that's effectively another quarter point interest tax on high balance buyers, which is most of our buyers here in California. Um, so having to know that stuff and know alternatives and ways around it, um, we're, we're always having to look at numbers in terms of, of the matrices of, of LLPAs, of LTV matrices, what's possible, what can be done on different loans, but we try to avoid it as much as possible. Otherwise, you go stir crazy like Willing and leave your Christmas tree up all year. There you go. Um, how is the southern border crisis affected their need for more housing? There's already a housing shortage, rentals too. Well, where will these immigrants rent? So I don't know. Um, there's this, again, uh, mentality, not my backyard type, you know, building property. So nobody, none of these cities want to build additional property. We need more affordable housing. If you're talking about California, there's other states that need it as well. Um, and with all the regulatory stuff, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this whole thing. Supply is the answer to a lot of the problems, but supply is also the problem to, to getting there um, because of all the other regulations that are, that are, you know, part of, um, I mean, it, all the regulations in, in, in the process and in, in building more housing is, is the problem. So it's not an easy solution. It seems like one you say, well, why don't you just go build more houses? Well, that, that I, 
It's not happening, and it hasn't happened for a long time. Um, and you're going to hear, Josh, you're going to hear about affordable housing. You might even hear about some first-time homebuyer programs. You might hear about a lot of things that's going to potentially help the consumer with regards to buying real estate or making things more affordable. Why? Because it's an election year, Josh. And it doesn't matter who's running on either side. You're going to get people that have an agenda to create this idea that this process is easily solvable when it's not. And it's not going to happen, people. They're not on your side. Well, just just think, um, anytime you leave the government to anything that involves economics, there's going to be uh, misunderstanding and, and poor application of principles. And we talked about earlier, um, we are just now getting a handle on, on rapid runaway home price appreciation. And the government now is getting around to talking about reducing mortgage insurance premiums for FHA loans. And it's like, really? It's probably the right move, but it's not the right time. Um, if you watch uh, whenever Biden talks about affordable housing, pay close attention. He's not talking about you owning a home. He's talking about affordable shelter, affordable rentals, subsidizing rent. So we can talk about these big evil companies buying up tracts of homes, which they are doing, which is an absolute fact. Um, but so far, what our government's plan has been is we'll, we'll make it cheaper for you to rent since you have to rent. Got it. Got it. Good stuff. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a year where you're going to hear a lot of promises and a lot of undelivering in in years to come just because that's what happens during these types of years. Um, Ariel has a question. Buying solar to, to my home. Plan on renting out the home in the future. Can I leave my name on the electric utility bill and charge the tenant a flat fee? As a landlord, you can do whatever you want. If that's the, the deal you want to set up, I don't know why you can't do it. Um, I don't know if it's the most ethical thing to do when you're charging them from electric and they're not getting it, uh, the benefits. But hell, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's um, anything against doing that. I don't I don't think there would be. But again, you just got to find a tenant that's that's willing to agree to it. What if you leave your People Magazine subscription going to the old house? Can you jack up the rents to cover that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Only if it tells you the outcome of the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard story, you know, prior to it actually coming out so that you have like future knowledge of, of what's happening out there. Well, you want to um, close it with a good good loan question? Uh, sure, Josh. Let's do a good a good loan question. It's an easy one. Chris says, how long do you have to wait to use higher W-2 income for debt to income? Sisters graduating med school this month, salary will go from 80 to 350. There is no wait. As long as the employer will confirm that it is an, in fact a salary, it's not variable, it's not an hourly wage based on hours. So anything that's fixed like a salary, um, or even if you work 40 hours a week, a fixed hourly wage, and you go from $20 an hour to $50 an hour, we can use that without any waiting period. All right. So been on the show two hours, people, I am going to ask a favor again, ask you to help us by hitting the like button. Um, if you think we sucked, hit the thumbs down. If you liked it, you know, leave a comment, let us know what you liked. Um, let us know things you want us to cover, what you want us to talk about. If you've listened to the podcast, what you think about that, you know, all of that stuff helps. It helps create again, content that you want to hear versus us just talking into a mic about things that we want to talk about, right? It's all about you guys and helping you. Um, you know, that's what we're giving to you. And what we're asking from you is the thumbs up. And again, I'll ask if you're here in Orange County, I never ask 
or tell people, hey, listen, I'm a real estate agent. I'd love to help. But I do. I have goals of my own of, of helping um, so many buyers and sellers a year. And if you're local, would love the opportunity to do that. And if you're not local, um, I can refer you to somebody happy to, to make that connection. It's the same for Josh. You know, if you're local uh, to California, um, Josh can can do a loan for you. And if you're out of state, we can refer you. That link at the bottom gets you connected to all of that. Um, Josh, anything you want to add while we're here? No, um, just it, it's it's a tough market. Keep asking good questions. Keep educating yourself. Um, if you're in California and you would like a second opinion, you've been through numbers. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the show. Oftentimes we look at it and we can say, hey, good job. You're on the right track. And a lot of times we look at it and say you're 10, 12, $15,000 off base here uh, with the numbers. So a small investment of time can lead to a big return in either peace of mind or actual savings. So don't hesitate to reach out for a second opinion on your numbers. And again, we have the network of people throughout the country. And um, if you're still around and you want to put your two cents in, um, we're going to be adding a few states to where we can help probably not going to go far east just because the time zone difference um but uh in addition to arizona texas washington oregon let us know what you would think would be would be beneficial to you guys out there watching all right good stuff i see you guys putting some stuff in here to talk about we'll uh we'll definitely look at that but for now we appreciate you uh you guys being here um you know all the continued support and uh, again if you haven't done so already help us by hitting the thumbs up and sharing us with a friend we like to be shared you know Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.